Hello everyone, it's the Wine Hour, the talk show that removes your wine anxiety. Warm welcome. This is the uh, season three opener and we're so happy to be back and starting with Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Most of the show's music has been selected by our special guest, Stevie Kim, and it will be available as a Spotify playlist very soon. So I'm writing this in front of the sea on a sunny day. That was, that was today. Uh, a way to find some shelter from this crazy world. It's a way to dance away the worries, even for a moment. The summer, with its share of laughters and joy, has gone. And as we're heading slowly into the winter, with all its unknowns, let us enjoy the autumn. Let us forget about the sorrows of this world. Let us find those moments and places where we can smile and enjoy what life has to offer. Because the news are bleak from every side we look at, from the wars to the natural disaster becoming more devastating due to unnatural human actions, women fighting across the world for their rights and freedom, and to the coming cold winter with energy restrictions and less heating. I'm thinking about you guys in Europe. But now it all seems far away because we are together. We are here to enjoy what life has to offer the best. Great wine, great food, wonderful conversation, and that sense of belonging to a community that understands us. It's good to be back to see you all. So let's make this a moment of happiness and enjoyment together. Let us dance. Today's menu, uh, first in Uncork, Jamie and Akosh and Stevie will talk about their best food moments of the summer and see how it compares to before, you know, the life before COVID. And then in License to Taste, uh, Tanisha will make us dream about her wonderful trips to South Africa and to Italy. And then she's going to talk also about that quintessential French thing that is called la rentrée. And then in Have a Drink With Me, I'll have the pleasure to welcome our special guest, Stevie King. But before, let me introduce you to today's cast. Born this way, Lady Gaga, coming from the magnificent city of Verona in Italy, it's a marvelous honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome our special guest, Stevie King. Good late, late, late evening, Stevie. How are you? <laughs> ciao, ciao a tutti. How are you guys? We're very good. We're very good. Even better now. And now. <laughs> Did I take that? No, you did not. <laughs> I didn't think so. I'm like, I'm like, no, Michael Jackson. No, no, this one I, I, I picked. Uh, so it's the moment you have been waiting for. Uh, they make one. I was like, I was so shocked. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's my pick. It's the, it's a wine dream team introduction. All the oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we, I didn't we, get that. Yeah. We, we we move from uh, from uh, the Bluetooth Brothers to uh, to Michael Jackson, depending. So they are coming from our global studios across the world, and they make uh, wine interesting, fun, controversial. It's the only and one wine dream team. So we are starting uh, from uh, Paris, and uh, sorry, Stevie. Oh my God! No, no, Antoine, I'm leaving. Goodbye. That's it. Billie Jean, Michael Jackson, uh, from Paris, <laughs> Tanisha Townsend. <laughs> Hi. Good evening, Tanisha. Good evening. How are you? I'm good. Okay, excellent. Good. And uh, now we are crossing across, we're going across uh, the small pond between uh, France and the UK. Hey. 
from London. So now I don't know how to call him anymore. Is it uh, my lord? Is it champion? Is it sir? Is it your highness? <laughs> Let me know, Akosh. Akosh Forzak. Yes. Hi. Yeah, adding so yes. many things to your 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 multi-talented you. person. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just still Akosh. Don't worry about it. Okay, fair enough. Now uh, across the pond. Yeah, I told you there was going to be a bit of a dance theme in the introduction. So from dance party. Yeah. And okay. Dallas Fort Worth. I'm actually in Fort Worth today. Yes. Very important. Hope Very important. Sell a, a lot of uh, bottles. Yeah, so I said from Dallas. So from St. <laughs> Helena via Dallas, uh, Jamie Orajo. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. It's uh, yeah. So I'm not in my not in front of my chimney where I normally am in Saint Helena, but um, on the road working. I just was in New Orleans and now in Dallas and Fort Worth this week. Okay, excellent. Sell many, 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 many bottles, boxes, and everything. I intend to. Yeah, yeah, and they have, they have to. They, <laughs> love, they love your wine. <laughs> so now everybody's ready. Uh, so grab a glass of wine, a glass of water, a glass of tea, of chai, whatever it is. Uh, here's a toast to you. I know, or emptiness, whatever it is. It's the thought that matters, as we always say. Um, enjoy the show. Cheers and uh, happy opening. Nice one, Stevie. Yeah. Yeah, that was me, not Antoine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Family affair, marriage oblige. So today's Uncork is about the best food moment you had this summer and how it compares to life before that thing that we call COVID. And hopefully this one is, is really over. Now, before we go on, I'm just going to run a very quick poll just to get your thoughts on that. And uh, we'll look at the answers a bit later on. Who wants to start? Best food moment of the summer. Okay. Did you eat? <laughs> yes, okay, of course. <laughs> the best moment of the summer started when I was, my my UK rowing uh, season ended and uh, I finally managed to get back to uh, uh, home to Hungary. And my mom cooked. Ah. That, my dear friend, was the best food moment of the summer in the beginning. What I ate, I'm not going to tell it to everyone because most people will jump out of the window because that's not for normal people. But uh, You mean the my, quantities uh, or what was in the what, what What I ate. And, um, <laughs> Good, uh, try us. But then... Humorous. <laughs> <laughs> tribes. I oh, nice. Tribes. Mm, huh? I love tribes. And uh, I come from the south of Hungary where tribes is a very prominent meal that we like and obviously it's uh it's a lot about texture and stuff but you know I, I grew up with it so i like it my wife would like you know me to leave the house every time i even pronounce the word of tribes but you know i go uh and my, when i go home my mom always cooks me some tribes so that was a very very nice moment for that uh, it wasn't it was for me the, the whole thing is that you know yes we go back to restaurants but at the end of the day i think what we all missed at least what i missed the most was really being with our loved ones and to share the moments and have dinner parties and i think this was the uh, great my brother came and you know we just had a wonderful evening my daughter was there as well and it was great and honestly that was the kickoff 
the first part. Then I'll okay. tell you later on just, the second just, part. Just one one thing. <coughs> what do you, what kind of wine do you drink with tripes? Oh well, uh, Furmint. Ah, uh, okay. Sepsi Furmint. Uh, of course, Sepsi. You're not going to drink any other kind of Sepsi. Oh my God! Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, no, it has to be. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my really? mom is a my oh, mom is a simple human being. She stopped drinking any other white wine except Sepsi and white Burgundy. That's about it. Goodbye. Good taste in the family. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what she tells you. Well, trust me, we <laughs> supply the wine with my brother. We know exactly what she drinks. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Fair Jimmy? Enough. Fair enough. Well, I would say um, I had a really extraordinary um, meal with my family and the Isley family, and um, we did a bunch of um, 70s and 80s wines from the vineyard that we used to own. Um, that was very special. And, and special because of the wines because they're they're quite rare and we don't do that very often but really special because the two families got to be together um so yes i, I agree with you akash i think that um being able to get together um with family and friends is certainly one of the most important things um and the most precious things that we've gotten back uh, but i will say and a little shout out to um chicago um i was just there for work last month and had one of the most extraordinary meals I've had in a very long time Ooh. restaurant called SKY. It's not sky. It looks like it is but it's SKY. Um, and it's a kind of American Korean French fusion. Um, we sat American at the, Korean French um, fusion. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. absolutely extraordinary. It's so, so, so what is like, what is the menu? Like the American, you got met Korean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, I mean, just everything from, they have an incredible lobster dumpling. They have an amazing um, cucumber starter with like Korean spices and oils and sesame seeds and things. They've got um, an amazing um, duck dish that's like half Korean, half confit. It's, it's, it's really good. It's really we're, worth it. We're far and from honestly, the, the tribes, huh? <laughs> very far from the tribes. But, um, but. The really cool thing was that we actually, my friend and I went, we got sat at the, um, what they call the chef's bar. So it's like just literally a bar that looks into the kitchen. Um, and it was so fabulous to, I mean, I always love watching the brigade anyway. Um, but this brigade was like very high quality, high, high, high end. And so respectful and thoughtful and just nice nobody was screaming nobody was shouting everyone was working in concert and i thought wow what a long way high-end kitchens have come um and it was a it was a it was just a really nice thing to see that wow. they were actually turning out these incredible things obviously had very talented people there and they weren't treating each other like crap so that was that was a bonus i thought that okay. was really nice great and i think that's something you know Post-pandemic, I think it's it's important because I think people realize that they don't want to work in places that are horrendous and toxic anymore. So, of course, of course not. Yeah, you know, for for me, the uh, um, I had the pleasure to eating in many, many, many top top restaurants around the world. But I had this uh, bucket list moment that I've been waiting for for a long time, and I never never managed to get it uh, done. I booked it three times. The pandemic wiped all three reservations away. And finally, we managed to organize a weekend away in Paris with Michelle. And uh, I got myself to Guy Savoie. 
and Ooh, uh, so nice. I have to I have to say that it uh, has delivered every bit of it that I have uh, expected, and I love the fact that they messed up the main course, and therefore I got two. So I they didn't they didn't give me what I wanted. They wanted I wanted sweetbreads and they give me the guinea fowl. They got so embarrassed, so they gave us they gave me the guinea fowl. So instead of thirteen courses, I had fourteen. So yeah, Ooh. it was uh, it was a plus. Oh, gosh, I, I think you're admit. the only person in the world who's like excited to have fourteen over thirteen courses. Because we <laughs> yeah, get to the end I, of thirteen courses, they're like, I'm dead. Uh, like, yes. Was- I was, so excited. I was so excited that Michelle <laughs> couldn't finish certain dishes. That was even better. You know? <laughs> but the attentiveness of the attentiveness of the of, of the service was quite remarkable because I have to say that the sommelier has done with something I've never never experienced anywhere, actually. The guy basically he knew who I was without really knowing too much. And what was interesting is that he gave us every dish or every couple of dishes, we had a wine and and he poured a little bit. He said, Okay, start your dish with it. And then uh, I'll come back and you tell me if you like it and I'll top it up. Now, as you know, at the pace we're eating, it's an incredible gamble to do in a restaurant where you know that the guy like me goes, doing, done, right? (laughs) So you better be behind me because I'm taking the first sip. It's gone and you have to be behind me. And the guy was right there at the time, all the time, came back. So you like it? Yes. We continue with this. Yes. Go ahead. Boom. We filled up our glasses went away the, the, absolutely honestly he was one of the best uh, wine services i have ever experienced in my life and the reason why it was great is because i had so much expectations and i'm sure you have all had this moment in your life when you were like wow you know mm. i had this expectation and you go there and it doesn't live up to the expectation well in fact it really did and that was phenomenal so honestly oh, tick nice. in the box oh, awesome. nice 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 stevie Fabulous. And also, hang on, Akos, I just want to congratulate you on your amazing performance in the championships for rowing. Um, Thank you. Very impressive. Very Thank impressive. You. And even more impressive you. that you didn't drink for a whole month before. <laughs> That's, I think, five, <laughs> five weeks. Five probably, weeks. That, and, you know, probably, five weeks. Have, sorry. sorry five, every day we, we have, it's exactly. We have also um, <laughs> Martin who, who, joined, who has been joining us at every single time. And I would like just to say, you know, Martin and I, we've known each other for a long time. And, uh, you know, he went uh, from being uh, not so sporty to running his first marathon uh, oh, last nice. week. Congratulations, so, Martin. Martin Hats off to you, mate. Congratulations. It was a long road, very long road, but you got there. And you are an example to all of us. Thank you, nice. Akos. Much appreciated. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well done, Martin. Yes. So, yeah, for the, for, for the little story, uh, Akos is vice world champion in rowing in his category. Indeed. Bravo, sir. Well for done. 0.7 seconds. <laughs> Just nine, 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 zero uh, point 0.9. 0.9 seconds. Sorry. Nine point nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Yes, next year you're going to get them all. Stevie, your, your best food moment of the summer. Um, you live in Italy probably every day. Yeah, it's really true. And, you know, I think all of us, you know, we... we dine out so much for work so my best my favorite food is when i come home and two dishes especially even before covid you know you travel you know you go out all the time and when i come back i really just want to have like you know spaghetti with tomato sauce or for summer the summer um favorite pasta is actually very simple with mozzarella 
and tomatoes, a bit of garlic and um, basil leaves. Basil. So it's just, it's mm. so simple, but I could literally eat that every day. So al, al for pomodoro. me, yeah. So it's, um, it's for me, that's kind of exemplifies summer. Oh, nice. Nice. Oh, I feel like pasta. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Antoine? Um, I'm training. I don't have good meals. No, actually, I had, oh, I had, I had no, I had, no, no. Okay. I had a good, I had a great meal. When was that? That was a long time ago. There was a place more than the meal itself because the food in Lebanon usually is, is, is good. So, um, home food is always the best, but, um, lunch at the beach and had a glass of wine. It was a long time because of the training anyway. What and are you training for? The Ironman. Oh, geez. You're yeah. like, you're serious athletes here. No. Yeah. I mean, my training is like just. No, no, man. Our, our coach is the serious athlete. Yeah. We, I'm we with pretend, you, <laughs> we, we pretend to be. <laughs> He's the serious guy. He's the, <laughs> on all fronts. Um, so, so it was, it was w with friends uh, at the beach, beautiful day, beautiful atmosphere. And, and I think that that's what great meals are about. Just, you know, to forget about everything else, all the problems of the world, etc., and and to get to share some food with some 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 friends in a nice setting. And the food itself wasn't that great, <laughs> but the, but the moment the moment was very nice. Uh, so so I guess if I were to choose company versus great food, I'll choose company first, and hopefully the great food will come afterwards. Uh, and if there's no one, yeah, great food is definitely <laughs> much better. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's that was my my highlight. Of, uh, there were a few like these, so it's it's nice. It's nice to have. The old, older you get, you realize that uh, you actually end up with friends around you over the years who actually love good food and good company and a good laugh. <laughs> Because I, we, my wife and I, we started, we did an inventory of our friends and realized there's not a single one of them that survived our 25 years of marriage that don't love food and good wine. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but that's the truth of life. <laughs> they have also other qualities, don't misunderstand me. But there is an absolute underlying common theme around here, which is like, love life. If you don't love life, forget it. You're not in my life. Yeah. yeah. yeah but I think, yes. honestly, so I think that's, that's such a, it's such a, a reflection of, of our industry because I mean it, nobody goes into the wine industry to get rich and if they do they quickly leave because it's just kind of not they got rich they can't leave now. yeah no no no, no, no. They, they get disappointed and then they leave so I think that we do we have a lot of people who appreciate beautiful things and conviviality and food and wine and you know um, nature art whatever I think that um, it's it's part of what keeps people in this in this industry, for sure, is an appreciation of those things, and so it's kind of nice. I think we we have a high percentage of people who really appreciate beautiful things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Tan Tanisha, then, where, where have you gone? She has gone. Okay, to South Africa. <laughs> She's in South Africa. Because <laughs> we or Lake Como or. Whoever, I didn't have a food moment, so I'm like, oh, if I turn a camera, you didn't have off, a you food won't ask moment? me the question. 
Okay, just Amika. Uh, okay. Oh, you want to say it? Oh, you want to say so it? You in were your cheating. Segment? Okay, no, oh, no, I don't have it. Like everybody has all this home food. Like what? I'm not. What? I'm at home. You like get, I'm home. You like who's cooking for food? Me? You could have out food. You, you went to South Africa. You went to Italy. You went to Nice. You went to all these places. You live in Paris and you don't have good food. Oh no, I have good food, but uh -huh. everybody mentioned home food was like the best, and I'm like, mm. no. I'm like what? home with yeah. me, so that's not where the food is. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, we'll, we'll get you back on in your, in your segments. Okay. But have you seen a difference between, you know, before COVID and now? How you approach, you know, those moments of enjoyment with your friends and everything? Because, you know, some places like Italy, you had a severe lockdown. It was not as if, you know... Yeah, Lebanon was kind of cool somehow. In other places, it was a bit easier, you know, third world countries. But in the developed world, <laughs> the, the, the lockdowns were kind of serious. I think zest is the word for me. Zealous, sorry, zealousness is the basically, I think we don't entertain at home as much as we used to. So when you tell someone, come to my house and have dinner, they're like, oh, okay, cool. But in fact, a lot of people will say, oh, no, let's go out, let's go out. And I think it's, Now it's starting to kind of reverse. And, you know, I have people who are say, okay, well, you know, let's go and have a barbecue or have dinner or whatever together at home. But before, for the longest time, I would say, since the last lockdown, for I would say eight, nine months, people just wanted to go out. They didn't want to entertain at home because they were at home for such mm -hmm. a long time. They just don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My yeah, experience. I think there's a, a different appreciation too. And... We understand how important it is now. And also, you know, there's been a lot of, I don't know, from where we are anyway, um, there's was a ton of turnover in, in restaurant staff and a lot of restaurants that aren't able to open. Even now, um, all of the days or times that they were able to open before, um, a lot of new staff who just don't really know how to do things or don't do things as well as people who'd been there and been more experienced. And um, and it's interesting, you know, it's it's... It, People want to go out and they're very frustrated when the experience doesn't live up to what they want. But at the same time, we're all kind of trying to give each other grace um, and space because people still showed up to work yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. actually are waiting yeah. on the table and actually are in the kitchen. And thank you so much for doing that because we realize now how much we missed it when we didn't have it. Yeah, Stevie, yeah. in Italy, the food culture there is okay, phenomenal. How, how, did it, how did it change between before COVID and now? And now? Uh, so I want to just share like an anecdote. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, uh, my company is considered a media agency, so it was considered essential. So I tried closing um, the office for, you know, re working remotely for um, about a week, but it completely didn't work out. I have a large staff. Um, at the time, I had about 40 people at the office. And... Because the culture, more than food, it's so um, in-centered around this thing called aperitivo, mm -hmm. which is where you do most, most of the, um, let's say, social gatherings. You know, it's just habitual to go out and have an aperitivo. And maybe you will go on to a dinner or you'll go back home. But especially for the younger generation, that is like key. That's the, that is absolutely their lifeline. So during COVID, when they didn't have that, our office was open, and I kept it open, um, and they didn't have the bar scene or the aperitivo. So it was, in, and I have a fairly younger staff, 
Um, so what I did was I just, I mean, I have so much wine at the office. So I just had an open bar every day, like towards like five and six o'clock. And I think it kind of saved my staff, like, because they had, they had something to do. Um, and they were able to still socialize. Mind you, I have, an in, I have a very big office, you know, it's like 2000 square meters, it's open space. So it was large enough for us to, and nobody got COVID until like the third wave or whatnot. So it was extremely um, useful to have wine as a social element. And because in Italy, it's very much that. Um, in terms of the uh, food culture, completely changed because mm -hmm. First of all, Italians didn't, they weren't used to ordering food at home. The delivery service was not sophisticated. It, there wasn't, it wasn't really structured, except pizza perhaps, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the pizzerias will have the boxes so you can take out the pizzas. But there was no delivery culture prior to COVID. And then it just accelerated every restaurant of course but because they had to survive so they started the delivery service and of course everything from delivery justin uber eats whatever it's i had never seen anything like that before so it was really the first time covid accelerated the delivery culture and um i think now we're kind of shifting back because of what Jamie said, right? Because eating even the um, the best delivered food from the nicest restaurant, it's not the same as actually being at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we're trying to go back, but I think the COVID, I think like elsewhere also has changed the industry. Uh, hospitality right now, they're having extreme difficulty um, uh, for the personnel. So, yeah. you know, I think, it really also changed the mentality of the hospitality personnel and a lot of them have opted to go into other types of work yes. um, so it has put a lot of stress and changed the food culture in many ways than one okay but the trattoria and all these places they still exist they're still there they yeah still of course strive, they're or? all they're all all there but many of them are struggling because they don't have staff mm -hmm. They're yeah. understaffed, but I think this is kind of true elsewhere. But um, in Italy, um, I think it was the first time that people understood that, you know, this is something they have to think about. Well, because Italy without all this is not Italy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. I, know me, I know. Let, let me share the results of the poll very quickly. Um, so the first question was, how was your summer? The best ever, so-so, it sucked. And I live in the Southern Hemisphere, so I guess there's no one in the Southern Hemisphere. So the best ever is 25%, and it was like kind of okay, 75%. Probably you got stuck in some airport somewhere in the world. Uh, did your vacation feel different from the time pre-COVID? Uh, same thing. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess everyone is, is good with that. <laughs> okay, so that's... Well, mine was the best ever, and I'm sorry to have to love you and leave you, but I've got to go get back on the road. Uh, but it was great to see everyone. We'll yes, see the it show. is. So before you Lovely go, to see you. Before you go, thumbs up or thumbs down? Do you have them? Oh, absolutely. Uh, thumbs up. Definitely getting uh, being able to get back out uh, on the road and meet people and tell the story of our wines and and travel around. It's been excellent. 
Um, and thumbs down would probably be um, the horrendous um, flooding and hurricane damage um, that's been happened that just happened in uh, Florida and the and the southeast. So we're thinking of all of our friends and colleagues out there. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Jamie. Akosh. Bye. Bye, Jimmy. Um, well, uh, thumbs up uh, for me is, you know, above everything, as always, the fact that we are in very good health, but also the fact that seems like Top Selection is an island of prosperity. Um, and, you know, my employees are like coming, coming uh, to the office and they are like, what's going on outside? And what's going inside is completely two different words. And I said, just enjoy it. Enjoy it. And, you know, job security, it's good. Be happy with it. You know, the company is doing well, you know, and that, that's not that's not the case for everyone, especially in an environment where inflation and stuff, you know, happens the way it happens. Um, I have to say that I have to give a big thumbs down because I think that uh, the country where I live, which is the UK, and I'm now national, uh, this current government, uh, and I am not uh, a lefty, as you know, because I grew up under communism, so that's not my cup of tea, but I just can't bear what they're doing. And uh, I thought that with Boris Johnson leaving, it's going to be really hard act to follow to do worse. <laughs> but I You've have to it. admit that, my God, <laughs> and with a stroke of a pen, like just like that, <laughs> yeah, they managed it. to do it. And I was like, you've got to be joking. I mean, that's not possible, right? So, yeah, well, despite all that, you know, <laughs> that is a spectacular, spectacular move, I have to admit. And probably the entire world is laughing at us. But uh, no. now I'm not exactly Martin. Commiserating. Bring him back, bring him back <laughs> Martin. You're right. That's, I never thought I would say that, you know, <laughs> bring him back. But hey, Stevie, you have a woman prime minister for the first time ever in the history of Italy. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Lucky you. She's oh, wow. I, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> So, 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 Stevie, all the guests were, were saying, why can't I say my thumbs up and thumbs down? So, if you have any thumbs up and thumbs down, this is this is your chance. Uh, I think I'm gonna pass because this is it's really really tough. I mean, um, I don't want to become too banal about this, so I'm gonna pass. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Akosh, thank you. Uh, Thank you and Jamie also will see you uh, for the next show. Now, uh, before moving on to Tanisha's segment, we have a, a short uh, musical break. Enjoy. <laughs> It's not Michael Jackson. Oh my God, you, you put, I know you put the, oh my God, you put the video, love it. <laughs> Did you ever watch this show? No, not this one. I discovered it oh, afterwards. Yeah. It's it's oh this is so great. Love it. Yeah, this is vintage. <laughs> I, absolutely. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, I am Wonder Mike, and I like to say hello. Up to the black, to the white, the red, and the brown, and the purple, and yellow. But first, I gotta bang, bang, the boogie to the boogie. Say up, jump, the boogie to the bang, bang, boogie. Let's rock. You don't stop, block the rhythm, that'll make your body rock. Well, so far, you've heard my voice. 
producer, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out. I'm the C-A-S-N, the O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix, and these reasons I'll tell you why. You see, I'm six foot one, and I'm tons of fun, and I dress to a D. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali, and I dress so viciously. I got bodyguards, I got two big guns, I definitely ain't the whack. I got a Lincoln Continental and a son who's Cadillac. So after school, I take a dip in the pool, which is really on the wall. I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. Him and talk on my checkbook, but it costs more money than a sucker could ever spend. But I wouldn't give a sucker or a bum from the rock and not a dime till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, tell, oh, tell, what you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl, gonna get some spank to drive off in a death OJ. Everybody go, oh, tell, oh, tell, holiday in. Say if your girl starts acting up, then you take off. And uh, it goes on like this uh, for seven more minutes. So if you want to check Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang, uh, check it out. It's a very, very wonderful uh, video from that old show. I actually know I, I, I discovered that show and um, uh, it looks like it was something big in the US. Oh, yeah. You've never seen it. No, no, no. I'm, I oh, didn't... my God. It's, it's, that's where how like everyone learned how to dance. Oh, okay. Oh, it, it, was, it was the best show ever. Okay. okay. I think it was like bef it was like MTV before MTV. Yeah, that was in '76, I think, or '77. This one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago. I was little, but I love that. I think it's. I don't know. Um, I think it was considered like the first rap song. Yeah, it was ever. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now we're on to License to Taste with uh, Tanisha Townsend. You make me feel mighty real by Sylvester. Super groovy uh, sound list, uh, play soundtrack playlist. Thanks, uh, Stevie. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> Tanisha, you will tell us about your dream trips to South Africa and to Italy. I'm still sitting here thinking about you not knowing Soul Train, but... I didn't grow up. I you, grew up in France. I was just about to say, you did not grow up in America. No, or I didn't know. American culture. I grew up like in that. Lebanon. I know, right? I was so shocked. Like, how can you not know what Soul Train is? I, yeah. I grew up in France. I mean, the show was 39 seasons, sir. 39 seasons. Yeah, yeah, but I grew up in France. Et en France, on regarde pas ce genre de truc, quoi. <laughs> uh, MTV, hein. yes. But this? No. Well, this was before. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I moved to France in 75. And as far as I can remember, I never saw that one. Soul Train didn't make it over. Huh? No, no, it's not, a, it's not the song. It's the, it's the, the oh, show. Oh, no, I'm talking about the show. Soul Train yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. make it over. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you should definitely know Sugar Hill Gang, though. That yeah, was this, yeah, like this I said, know. That was the, right, I was going to say, that was like the first rap. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you, oh, so thank you. I just said that. I was like, yeah, no, I feel that like was that was the say, first rap song. And it was, was like, so yeah. great. Was, How great is that? Yeah, it's long, though. It's yeah, long. It's, it's, it's very long. Seven minutes. You know, people, right, I'm like, that song's about 45 minutes. That's yeah, but long. people had time. Nothing yeah, but back then. Nothing but time. Ah, Tanisha. Yes. 
Yeah, you, you went to the other side of the world. The other side of the world, but still was on the same time, which, yeah, which was hilarious great. to me. Yes. Yeah. How was it? It was fantastic. Good. It was fantastic. Weather was great. Even though it was winter, the sun mm -hmm. shone every day. Um, I just had on like a scarf and a blazer like that. That was winter. Now, it did get worse after I left. But you know what? That's not my story. The sun was shining. The weather was nice. It was a nice chill in the air. It's actually the temperatures like I like it. But it was weird to leave France and seeing vines and how they were all luscious and green and, you know, blooming. And then to go to South Africa. And then it's like nothing, completely dormant. That was that was it. So, um, but yeah, the trip was great. Um, I tasted some really uh, amazing wines. I know I keep saying the word amazing for a lack of a better vocabulary, but uh, and what I tasted was great. What I tasted was great. Um, when I would think of South African wines or the wines that come from South Africa to America, it's usually just Pinotage and then a few Chenin Blancs. But being able to taste uh, Grenache and Syrahs and um, Cabernet Sauvignon and higher end aged Pinotage was, that was just amazing. And the hospitality, unmatched. Like we talk about American hospitality and how that is. South African hospitality, you ask them a question with pleasure as you need right away. Chop, chop. I'm on it. Like that was just how it was. And yeah, yes. Um, I didn't necessarily, this is not anything against South Africa. I didn't necessarily have any standout meals. I just had kind of regular food, regular mm -hmm. meals. I was like, okay, these are all good. Um, uh, some standout wines from Villafonte and from Hartenberg and from Glenelly. Glenelly was interesting because the guy who owns Glenelly is French and um, he moved his family over to South Africa to make wine over there. And he makes a very, very, very delicious unoaked Chardonnay. I mean, he makes other things great too, but I fell in love with the unoaked Chardonnay of 2015. Yeah. What what would you say is the most striking thing about South Africa when you get there? Like, this is something I have never seen before. This is something amazing. This is something wow. Compared to all the other places, because you visited different, so many different wine regions in the world. What is so special about South Africa? Uh, I think the thing that stood out most to me is they call them, instead of vineyards, they call them wine farms. And like, they for real have animals just running around out there as well and that's not something that i see in the states or in europe so it is nothing to see um turkeys uh cows um i saw zebras on the side of the road What? like that kind of thing and it's also vast it's very big mm -hmm. and also a whole bunch of other animals that i was like oh wait what's that what's that because i don't see those animals Okay. I don't want to embarrass myself and say what they were, but I don't see those animals here or in um, the States. So yeah, the, the size of these wine farms and the fact that they're just animals that are on the farm as well. So the, the size in the wilderness. Okay. Yes. That's a good way to put it. The wilderness. I'm going to yeah. start using that. The wilderness. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Uh -huh. Yes. So South Africa was, uh, was, was wonderful. Everything I had hoped it would be running around through Stellenbosch and Parl and the Swartland and Franschhoek. Franschhoek had a Bastille Day festival because I was there around that time. 
so that was interesting to be in South Africa and then seeing people and people really dressed up like blue, white, and red. They, you know, they had that on and then they had everything decorated. It was, it's very festive. Not one bit of French music was played, but you know what? That's not what they were there for. Fair enough. You live yeah. in Paris. I think you get enough of that music <laughs> <No>. there. <laughs> it's just since it was a Bastille Day festival, I thought like, oh, we might get a little La Vie en Rose or something like that. Nah. Nope. Nah. Okay. Nope. Okay. Italy. Italy was good. What do you mean uh, good? Too short. No, 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 I no, mean, no, 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 sorry, sorry, no, sorry, not... sorry. It was just like, okay, you can't say Italy was good. Italy was amazing. Oh, yeah, that's much better. Well, no, like the that. thing about Italy when I first got there is since it wasn't just like a fun trip, it was work. So I Where did you go? I was in Alba. Oh, Alba. Okay. Yes. So I started off in Torino um, and just stayed there overnight uh, just to, you know, since that's where I had to fly into. I was like, well, let's see Torino. So did that and then flew to Alba. Um, it got better after I was on a panel. And so I was just nervous before that. So I couldn't enjoy the moments up till then. So then once I finished the panel, then I was like, all right, now it can be amazing. Now I can drink everything, do all the things. Um, we took an old school train from um, Alba to Canelli. And I'm talking the, we watching him put the coal into the engine, the smoke, the old school, like that kind of train. Amazing. It was wine service. Sommeliers came by and poured us wine as we sat on this train Ooh. for 30, 45 minutes. And then we go to Asti and we drink Moscato Dasti. Thank you, Martin Steam Train. Drinking Moscato Dasti in Asti was an amazing experience for me at a chateau overlooking the town until I'm like, oh, okay, wait, we're ready to go. And then I walk out and I see the bus driving away as I'm still standing there. But I look back and there were like five other people who were still there too. So we figured it out and got a ride to dinner. But yeah, um, yeah, Alba was good. The Adventures of Tanisha. <laughs> you should write a book about that. <laughs> it was good. Yes, I had, a really, I had a really good time on that trip. We did a little truffle hunting. I'm gonna put some quotes around that because um, I think they put those truffles down there for us to go find them. But they were like, this is the start of truffle season. We're going to have the dogs and we're going to go out and hunt for truffles. So a couple dogs ran out and found some truffles. Um, and then we saw that we had the little lights on our forehead and we were running around. That Did you eat sick. the truffles afterwards? No. Are you just had... hunted for them? So, okay, go, go get the truffles. I mean, for us. the same, <laughs> same we is pretty generous. Um, they, uh, I just supervised. I just supervised. Oh. I just lend a little light from my forehead just to so okay. they could see what was. So yeah. so I guess I guess you were happy to be back traveling. Yes, very. And have just been on the move since then. Um, my life has never been this busy with travel. So I'm just going to take it and and But go you, as you're, long you're, as I can. You're, Tanisha, you're high in demand. It's normal. Now that COVID I mean, is over. Hey, I'm fine with it. All right. I'm fine with being in demand. I'll go where people send me. I'll go where they ask me to go. Like I'm in Nice now. Like I'm not even, I mean, I know this is the same white wall that's in my apartment. No, I it's the, the lamp. I didn't see it in your apartment. I was going to say I have better lighting in my apartment. This lighting in here is, and it's only one outlet. Don't worry. Like it's that? okay. <laughs> as long as the sound is good. Now, for the wine minute, oh, yeah. there was something you wanted to talk to, to, to us about. 
which is that thing that is the quintessential uh, French thing of called la rentrée. La rentrée. Um, yes. I can't I, say it like you since you grew up in France. Yeah, I grew up and I grew up on the south side of Chicago. So it's yeah. la rentrée. Okay, fair enough. Well, as, I mean, as Americans say, la rentrée. Are, are you ready? Sure. Okay. One, two, three. Let's go. Okay, so la rentrée, it's an expression that French people use for the month of September in France. It's the back to school season. Everybody's coming back from summer holiday, organizing the school year, people coming back to work, things like that. But it also is seen like a new beginning for everyone, not just for people starting school, but people coming back. Um, there are a lot of book releases that happen in September, things like that group activity starts, sports starts. So instead of waiting until the new year to start something or some special moment, La Vantrae is a good moment to start a sport, pick a hobby, join a club, make new friends, set goals for yourselves. Um, not needing a specific date, time, event to make things change. In France, we have La Vantrae. So for me, what I'm doing, picking up a hobby so I can do something other than drink wine and watch Netflix when I'm not working. Um, I'm gonna be taking more intentional walks and I'm going to be learning calligraphy. So that's, that's my wine minute. That's your wine minute. You're in time. It wasn't about wine. <laughs> it's okay. We are open-minded. We are. Uh, it doesn't have to be always about wine. And that's the thing. I want to not just be one note and not just be, oh, she can only talk about wine. No, I can talk about Netflix and La Rentrée and, and other so many things. Different things. So, yes. exactly. And then I'll be able to talk about calligraphy next year because that's what I'm picking up. Nice. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Um, uh, moderating that panel for the UN conference. That was definitely my um, thumbs up. Uh, that's like a highlight of life at this point. Uh, thumbs down. Um, I don't know when I'm going home to visit. I'm trying to fit that in the schedule. And I don't know when that's going to happen. So that's a thumbs down. You mean Chicago? Yes. Right. Home, home. Family home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Tanisha Townsend, thank you very much. Thank we'll you. See you. on the next show. And now we're on to have a drink with me with our special guest, Stevie King. These boots are made for walking. And that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. These boots are made for walking, Nancy Sinatra. Uh, when uh, when there was the selection of your songs, this one came out as <laughs> a very interesting choice. I love it. It's a very interesting choice. Any kind of a subliminal <laughs> message? No, I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, you yes. do, you know, I tend to do things my way. And if you don't like it, kind of tough shit, you know, I just do my thing with yeah. my walk away. Yeah, kind of uh, like born this way. Uh, yeah. Gaga and, yeah, similar, but <laughs> yes. you know, maybe more elegant from the past. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So as I mentioned, as usual, our uh, soundtrack has been chosen by uh, our special guest, except for Michael Jackson, of course, and yes. it will be available <laughs> as a Spotify playlist uh, very soon. Stevie King, what a marvelous pleasure to welcome you to the Wine Hour. Um, if the audience has any kind of questions, you can put them in a chat or you can raise your hand and we take you audio or video. I, I was thinking about something. You're full of energy. You're going around 
different many places all across Italy uh, promoting Italian wine, uh, shouting about it, uh, making people discover it. You keep on running everywhere. So the first question that I had in mind is, what are you running after? Um, I'm not running after anything. I'm just trying to get to the next destination. Oh, and what is it? Uh, whatever that may be. Um, so I'm not really running. I, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm running around, which is quite different. <laughs> but um, I, I would just I would describe it more as like a journey. Right. So w when you're on a journey and you you have various places that you visit, you know, till you get to the final destination. I don't have a final destination mm -hmm. yet. It's almost like, you know, when you get, um, you know, when you graduate from stateside, Americans, like after high school, they buy this pass called Eurail. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's ex exists. I, I guess I'm it's, sure. yeah, I yeah, guess I'm, it I, yeah, I'm, I'm dating myself clearly, but um, then you get that pass and then you just go all over Europe to discover, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of similar to that. And in those discoveries, what were the things that were the most marking to you that allowed you to continue that journey? Well, you know, um, so it is really mostly about wine destinations, right? But um, I was actually at a food summit. It was called Women in Food Summit. And they had invited 60 women from all over the world who were either food, um, they were either chefs or food writers or communicators. And I feel like for the first time, I had kind of this like, you know, um, an awakening moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that food communications um, in general, there's so much ahead of wine communication. So I, I think every time I go somewhere, it's about all about learning. You know, and of course the wine, it's about the wine, but um, to be quite honest, I was talking to these, um, you know, food um, communication specialists, if you will, right? What, well, either they were making the food or they were um, demonstrating the food mm -hmm. or they were communicating the food. I said, food is just so much more fun. I, because when you're in the wine world, you tend to think, wine is the protagonist, whatever is in the bottle. But if you take the label out of it, right, it's either white, red or rosé, mm -hmm. right? So I said, Oh, my God, it just like it hit me. Food has to be the protagonist. And wine has to um, accompany that journey. So I was at this food summit. And um, at, at a you know one star Michelin restaurant and they had this really beautiful spread and everyone was eating and I was just looking at everybody because I was like there's something wrong with this picture and they didn't serve wine oh. they just had water okay so I mean it was lunch but um, in 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 Italy you always serve wine mm -hmm. and I think it's because there was a total disconnect not that the food people didn't give a shit about wine. It is not, it is, it doesn't even really enter into their choreography. Mm -hmm. So um, I really understood like from this journey, from this visit, 
that I, I was privileged to being part of uh, because the, the, the wine, um, let's say the wine segment was a, just a small segment mm -hmm. of the whole summit. It was just a sliver, like three producers. And I realized that we really need to leverage the cuisine, the food industry, mm -hmm. the food people to promote better the wine. And that just, it seems so banal, but I re it really just, you know, came home to me. Yeah, but uh, you're 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 so you're so right uh, because sometimes you realize food is so easily accessible because you know it's it's a normal thing. Wine, I feel that there's still that bit of a disconnect of getting into it. It's it's a bit more complicated to to get into it while you know having a plate of pasta is the the most natural thing to do. And maybe this is one of the reasons why the wine world has a bit of a problem of getting through because of that. Yeah, I, and I think, um, to be quite honest, I, you know, I'm not going to tell like the popular thing to say. Mm -hmm. It's not very politically correct. I think wine people are snobs. They're a bunch of snobs, mm -hmm. right? It's a, it's a smaller people who are really like the wine experts, the wine critiques. Um, and it's not as embracing. They, they already buy speaking with the wine terminology, the mm -hmm. wine language. You're already creating a, um, a filter between the wine people and also the wine lovers, if you will, right? Whereas with the food uh, people, I found that they're so much more embracing they're so much more open because in the same room we had like the top chefs and the top food communicators from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And they were not snobs at all. Every one of them would come and say hey, hello to you and greet you the same way they would greet their colleagues. And I think that is a big lesson um, to, I think, that I came home with because I think the food people are just more open. Mm. They're less knobs. And I think wine people have to really, really make an effort to be more open-minded. Okay, so here I'm curious. So like it's very small bio. Uh, went from Korea to Ohio, then moved to New York, then went to Italy. You can check the bio, there's all the information and everything. And then you started working uh, in the world of wine, but you had nothing to do with wine. <laughs> At least maybe you were drinking it, but you were not an expert and everything like that. H how did you make it? Because if it, as your, per your description, um, there are wine snobs and there are people that are, you know, talking to the expert and with all, you know, highly elaborated uh, language. How did you get into it for someone that is a not from the country, b not from the industry, and c not from the wine world, basically? So I kind of got the wine bug from um, from the side door entry because my initial interest in wine was to so first of all I worked for this organization. Uh, my claim to fame is Vinitaly, if you will which is but Vinitaly is actually uh, not a company it is just a brand mm -hmm. and it's owned by an exhibition company called Verona Fiere 
So my initial contact um, with Verona Fiere was to um, develop the international business for the exhibition company worldwide. That was kind of the mm -hmm. first contact. Um, and then, uh, so Verona Fiere, they have a lot of exhibitions, you know, from wine to electronics. It's a typical mm -hmm. exhibition company to marble, to horses, to tattoo, mm -hmm. you know, all of these exhibitions. And um, of course, Vinitaly was one of the more important exhibitions. And once I started kind of, you know, dipping my toes into this world, I was like, I love this. You know, I mean, I felt like there was so much potential and I started working with it. And um, I mean, the first, my first experience was to, from the business side, mm -hmm. I wanted to um, acquire or merge with another company in Hong Kong because in Hong Kong at the time, um, the duties, the custom duties for wine went from 80 to 40 to 0%. Mm. So that just clicked and I said, you know, this means like this is going to become the center of world wine, well, the world of wine. And so when they had started a wine fair, I said, I would love to um, merge with this company because that was kind of the gateway for rest of asia and that's how i got started to make a long story very short it didn't work out because hong kong the it, again hong kong exhibition company was an agency was kind of govern it's a government agency and so um it was just very bureaucratically difficult to do that but I started the first, you know, Italian pavilion and all of that. And that's kind of how I started with the wine. And then the more I got into it, I wanted to create value add um, for Vinitaly because Vinitaly in the end was just an annual wine fair. Mm -hmm. So I said, how can I add value throughout the year? The only way I can do that is some, if I can um, provide services or something different um, that single consortiums, regional bodies, or agencies cannot do on their own. So I started doing Opera Wine, which mm -hmm. was the first kind of the sexy, you know, uh, opening event mm -hmm. with Wine Spectator. It's like that, Wine Experience. I don't know if yeah. your audience will understand Wine Experience um, is Wine Spectator's event, annual grand tasting event um, that they organize every year. It's called New York wine experience yeah. um, where they had sting and they, and they had all these uh, yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah we actually had sting sing at our yeah. event before um, wine experience oh, but yeah. um, so it's a like a little wine experience but just with the Italian wineries and that is kind of the opening act for Vinitaly so that's what I started with okay. then I um, started the Vinitaly International Academy because I felt that even W set they don't mm. they, they don't do the deep dive even the masters of wine program or or the master of some um, program so I created this program where the wine specialists can do the deep dive it's pretty geeky mm -hmm. and to give them certify them as the Italian wine ambassador and so about okay. 1100 people uh, went through the program and we have certified to date about 300. Oh, I mean, nice. it's a tough program, 
Um, um, and then I started the wine to wine, okay, um, which is on the business side and yeah, communication. It's, it's a wine business forum because what happened was I started doing uh, workshops for the producers because during Vinitaly, I wanted them to be prepared to go out to the markets, the different markets. But during Vinitaly, they were all busy, obviously, right? They were trying to make the business and their commercial activities. So no one showed up for these workshops. Like we have the best people coming, but nobody showed. I mean, very few. When I say nobody, I mean like 100 people because, you know, Vinitaly is quite large. So. Uh, we said, why don't we propose a wine business forum dedicated to wine business, no tasting, just wine business um, for the Italian wine professionals. Um, so we do that. We've been, this is, I think, the ninth edition that we'll be doing. And it's about, in the past, it was about thousand participants, hundred speakers from all over the world and 60 70 workshops mm -hmm. in two days big so logistics of, yeah yeah so these are just some of the things that we do but you know there's so much more about that yeah but in 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 terms of the impact of what you've seen because as you're working on so many different fronts uh to be able to you know develop the the, the approach to wine develop the italian wine market or the international exposure to it how responsive have people been on that how how much of a difference has it made through the years through the from the moment you started and now how is that journey going well i think it's it's very um difficult because to be totally transparent mm -hmm. i don't have any direct um correlation between what we have done and how it has affected the, uh, the, the, let's say, increase of sales in general, because that's, there is no direct correlation. Because before you can make any kind of assumption like that, mm -hmm. you need the deliverables to be measurable directly. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that, right? So let's say we do an event um, and we can sell the wines at the event, then you have some direct correlation. Right. Yes. Um, but what I can say is that, for example, in China, the knowledge of Italian wine in China was almost null, almost nothing, nada. And now we have quite a few experts of Italian wine in also in China. So that's kind of how you measure. How does it influence the uh, the commercial side? Mm -hmm. It's like in China, it's very, very, very slow still, mm -hmm. right? And especially, I think, because of COVID and because of the lockdown, it's going to take still a very long time. Yeah. But wherever we have the Italian wine ambassadors, for example, we know that they themselves, in their own country own territory they themselves can then do either courses they can um, sell um, they can import actually more wines uh, because they have direct contacts with the producers because we facilitate that and there is a direct um, engagement from from what we are doing um, directly now the commercial sales during Vinitaly, for example we have we haven't a clue it's it's I think it's very difficult to measure that. 
Okay. We do do one thing that is more measurable. For example, there are some concrete um, um, analytics that we can uh, bring um, to the forefront. So we have a uh, wine competition. It's called Five Star Wines and Wine Without Walls. Wine Without Walls, we started with Eyeless Firing, um, bless her. It was more about the natural kind of, now it has more evolved into sustainability, green wines. And then Five Star Wines is just everything, everything. like the encompasses the entire wine category. So we do that few days before Vinitaly. And um, you get quote unquote a medal if you have 90 points above. Okay. Okay, so um, when you have that, then we are able to, uh, first of all, we give them a certificate. They can display it if they're an exhibiting company at Vinitaly. And we have an app where we can um, geolocalize the companies. Mm -hmm. And then when the uh, the attendees um, have the app and they're in the area, then we can with the big uh, beacon, we can actually give them the directionals. So often there will be direct sales because, you know, because they were the awardees. Okay. okay. These are something that we can measure. Okay. Just right? before we go on to the to the musical break, there was one question that was I was wondering about. You were mentioning food before. And we all know that, you know, food production and food produced from Italy in terms of the export, in terms of the representation across the world is very strong. And just the example here in Lebanon, when I talk to the people at the embassy, um, the, the cultural attaché and the commercial attaché and all these people, they are pushing, doing events and whatever you have to push the food uh, uh, so that people would buy them. I was wondering why isn't wine so much more included in that the kind of I, I think, like I've told you, I think um, when there's wine, um, you need food. And wine people will help, they'll kill me for saying this. When you have food, you, don't you won't die if you don't have wine, right? Fair enough. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the main difference. However, I do believe the whole dining experience is uh, can become more pleasurable if you have the wine besides the food mm, true I... you know so it has to be there has to be a value add yeah you know but you can you can probably survive you won't die unless you're an alcoholic and I yes. <laughs> perhaps in that category, um, you won't die with that wine, but yes, you need food to survive literally. Yeah. So that, I think that example, you know, that shocking example yeah. uh, of this food summit and the amazing food in front of us, this lovely, crazy spread, and there was no wine being served. And luckily the, um, the head, wine director recognized me and they said, uh, is everything okay? And I said, not really, because where's the wine? <laughs> so he, he immediately uh, came to a resolution. He bought us some wine, but um, I think this is emblematic yeah, of the situation. It wasn't on top of the list. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. But uh, before that, I want to uh, play one of the other selections that you have chosen in your 
uh, in your playlist. Uh, okay, so Sweet Dreams are made of this Annie Lennox and Eurythmics with Dave Stewart. Why have you chosen that song? Well, I feel like this is kind of the theme song, uh, my theme song, especially prior to COVID, uh, where I used to log in about 300,000 miles per year. So I travel <sighs> quite a bit. Yeah, so you know, you fly, so you know what that means. Uh, I've nearly completely stopped during COVID, but um, you know, I have started traveling again, but no way, no way near that. Um, I feel like this can be a theme song for all the wine people, right? Why people get into the business and they stay mm -hmm. and they, this is kind of the sexy side of, 
the wine business, wine people, why they get into it, because you can travel um, all different parts of the world and you can dream and you can taste, but mo most importantly, you can get to know the, the people, right? And the culture um, through wine. So I, I love this song just in general, not just artistically, um, but I think what Annie says is it's like all of us. We're a bunch of dreamers and we love to travel and um, experience different things. Yeah, completely, completely. When you when you go around all these places and you, and you meet because in your in your in your podcast, in your activities, you're traveling around Italy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's probably an understatement. Um, what is so special about all these people that you meet? If there were something that you would say is, is a common theme to all the people that you have, and you met a lot of them, um, but what is it? If you were, if you, if you could do, you know. Yeah, I, I guess what the common theme is that um, the winemakers, the wine producers, the wine people, they're so incredibly, mind you, I'm dealing with Italians, so in general, they're very passionate and you know emotional, but they're so passionate about what they do. Sometimes it's astoundingly um, difficult to grasp their passion. Um, I love that, and I think that is kind of the common theme. But having said that, everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Because and that really depends on, um, I think, the the place you are. Right. Um, and I think if every I suppose every there is the common thing, but everyone is different at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Mm -hmm. it does they can okay. be they can be two, uh, you know, Barolo wine producers, this very similar in terms of wine style. But they can have completely different stories, right? Mm. And that really depends on um, where they are exactly. Even like you know, even in Barola, where they're coming from. And I'm not talking about microclimates, mm -hmm. right? I'm not talking about that. I'm just thinking about their their stories. Why have they come there? Why have they done this? And, yeah, and yeah. why may they make that particular wine? And perhaps if you think about it technically, two wines can be very similar, mm -hmm. but they have created, they've made this two wines, similar wines, coming from two very different places. And that's what I love, you know, and to contextualize their stories. Yeah. Talking about the journey that are so different from even people that were, let's say, from the same region and everything. Let's talk about a bit more about your journey. And <laughs> would you see yourself doing something else now? You know, I'm so wine centric right now. <laughs> you know, I have been offered other, um, let's say, jobs, mm -hmm. quote unquote. But it has to have something wine related. And huh? I, I guess because I'm, I'm, I feel like there's, I'm still not done, right? I still feel like there's, there are things I can still do in the Italian wine promotion and mm -hmm. education. 
So whatever I do, I think it does have to be related to Italian wine, not even just wine, Italian wine. That's kind okay. of my mission. So what would be your definition of success? I guess my definition of success is for myself personally, just doing the best I can, mm -hmm. you know, but my definition of success in the end, when I'm dead, that I have left some kind of legacy. I'm mildly obsessed with legacy lately. I think it's the, you know, it's kind of, you know, when you go through that, you know, uh, life cycle and mm -hmm. I'm at that point, um, it's not about the money. It's not about mm -hmm. power. Um, it's not about, maybe it's more about ego. I don't know. Um, uh, the fact that I feel like I can still make a difference, that's definitely ego. Uh, but I would like to leave something that you, you do, that, that, um, that you can say, yes, um, that she did that for us. Well, I think there's a lot of things people can say, you did that for us already, which is great. <laughs> Another part of the journey, I think that is also fascinating is, so you, you come to Italy, you're not from the industry, you're not Italian, you're American, you're Asian, you're Asian American. Uh, you come to a place, Verona, which is which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. Um, will the whale bone under an arch and saying that if their virgin pass under it, the city will crumble? I think there was no virgin around these days <laughs> for all these times. That's for the little story. Beautiful city. And so it's not a, a, large, a big city like Milan, etc. How complicated was it to be accepted? You know, I, I get a little bit confused now because I, I did another interview today and I think the question was the same. <laughs> oh, okay. But like, um, so let me tell you, first of all, I know it's for Americans, um, you know, Korean, being Korean American mm -hmm. is quite not the norm, but it's something more acceptable, if you will, or just part of, you know, the American society, especially mm -hmm. if you're coming from um, New York, for example, right? It is the melting pot. Yes, or the cosmopolitan city. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for Verona, unusual, right? So I'm Korean American. I can't hide it because look at me, right? I am definitely Asian, which is kind of um, deceitful in a way because people naturally assume that I'm just Asian by looking mm -hmm. at me. Mm -hmm. But I have this nasty New York attitude. I can't help it. I grew up there and I studied and that's my, all my friends are from stateside. So I do think that the practical rationale side of me is more uh, uh, from New York. Um, but I do, I am very passionate about Italy as well. So that's kind of, I guess, what my, what my heart is, the emotional side. Now, starting in wine, and as I've told you before, wine people are snobs, right? So in the beginning, it was an uphill battle because they didn't think a Korean American who knew nothing about wine could promote wine. So that was my biggest advantage because people perhaps underestimated me. Uh, and that was my biggest advantage also because I was able to decipher very complicated um, ideas 
and digest it in a simplified manner so that I can understand it and then other people can understand it. Okay. Because Italian wine is exactly like Italian people. Complicated. They're, no, they're incredibly, <laughs> yes, they're incredibly imaginative, mm -hmm. uh, creative, and it's not by chance that they excel in fashion, design, cuisine, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're incredibly individualistic. And messy. Right. So the wine where there are more than even just, uh, just the Italian wines, there are more than 600 indigenous grape varieties. I think French wines, I think like, I don't know, something like 10 grapes make 80% of the wines, mm -hmm. right? In addition to that, we have about, I think 450 or even perhaps even more uh, denominations. Mm -hmm. That's not counting the international grapes. Mm -hmm. So if you put mm -hmm. all of that together, plus there are 150,000 Italian wine producers, you like every Joe Schmo will have a little plot of land of you know, of a vineyard. So um, everyone wants to promote that little parcel or that little grape or that little wine. And it is it is an incredible challenge. So in order to, you know, streamline all of that information, I think that was kind of my call calling to simplify everything so that I can personally understand so that we can explain it to others. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that, that yeah. now they're, they're warming up to the idea that I'm doing this they also because be. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> haven't gotten rid of me yet. So, yeah. um, yeah. and I think, I think they do understand the value add yeah. and they, they see some kind of progress in what we have done. Um, not always tangible, but I think in terms of communication, they, especially the, from the producers mm -hmm. end, there is a great um, leap of hope. I don't yeah, know. because sometimes when you come from outside of an industry, you have a, such a different vision of it because people, you know, been in there for, you know, ages and that's the way we do things here. And usually when someone tells you this, it's not going to go anywhere. Uh, so for someone coming from outside, uh, even potentially from an, another culture and going into this place, seeing from, you know, a, a new perspective what's happening, the chances are you will discover and uncover things they have never seen or never, you know, were able to see because they were so much into their own stuff. And that's a huge advantage if people let you do that, which was the case in your, in your journey. Was there a question in there? No, not really, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, but I, I, mean, but I, I like the I like the silence at the end. It's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, was there a question? I missed it. No, no, there was no question. Yeah, okay. Now, but here's a question. Okay. Now that you went through all of this, so you came. I'm not going to say you conquered, but you're still around. Uh, you're extremely uh, active and busy in, into what you're doing. And you were able to support and develop uh, those producers that are trying to promote uh, their, their wines across the world, etc. Now, as we stand, COVID is, let's say it's over. What is your biggest challenge coming up? I, I think my biggest challenge is for Italian wine producers to understand what a podcast is. 
you know oh, okay. i i swear but to you, you because get three, most three million plays okay by, by the way it's the, probably her podcast is probably the most list it is the most listened to wine related podcast in the world yeah i think we're going to four million like in a couple of days but the point is okay. um it, our audience is um 80 anglo right so they mm -hmm. come from stateside uk australia english speaking mm -hmm. um uh, territories so a lot of the italians i swear to you a lot of the producers there they ask me where can i get the podcast they don't understand it comes with your smartphone. Like, I'm like, you have a smartphone, it comes with it, right? So this is where I am. So I feel like this is my biggest challenge. So what I've done is I started a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So it's more like a video podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, we go out with the crew. Also, because when I go visit the wineries, um, it's been about a year now. Um, of course, I love, there's, I mean, Italians, I feel like there's, their hospitality is mm -hmm. seriously number one in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I agree. You know, so when I go, of course, I mean they roll out the red carpet, but I feel like I'm. I feel guilty that I'm just enjoying this by myself. So I said, what I need to do is document. And paradoxically, Italians are now st starting to understand what a podcast is because we do the video podcast and then we replay it on the podcast just in an audio form, right? So we're doing a lot of uh, um, cross um, mm -hmm. repurposing mm -hmm. and that has helped paradoxically because they, when they see the interviews, because I said like, who the hell's gonna you know, listen to an interview like for on a YouTube? Right. Yeah, but when is. they can yeah. actually see the interviews, um, of course, we have a big, you know, I have four video makers in house who travel with us. So it's, it's a big production. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the video has really helped also the audio uh, podcast. And so it's they, all in English. It's mostly in English. Um, okay. I've been a little bit more relaxed um about being in italian because i do want to have the non-english speaking um audience come on board especially the italians so the uh the video also helps because we can do some of the um interviews in Italianish. i love that because it's like a little bit of english a little bit of italian with subtitles in english so that has actually attracted a bigger audience in okay. italy so that is kind of my uh, big challenge at the moment. Oh, nice. That's a, a, tons of work to be done there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do a daily show. We're crazy. Yeah, right? this, so, is, this is this is so yeah. much in terms of production, development, yeah. ideas and everything like that. Big kudos on that. Big kudos. Like, a lot of respect for that. You, anyway, you're the best. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, Antoine. Now, unfortunately, we're getting uh, close to the end. But before we end, uh, we have the pivot questionnaire. Um, so basically, there are short questions. The first thing that comes to your mind. Um, okay. Are, are you ready? I guess. <laughs> Do I have a choice? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So what is your favorite word? Uh, I guess lately, legacy. Okay, I guess there's a theme there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm highly obsessed. So I guess being obsessed is like having favorite word or something. No, no, but I, 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 I fully agree with you because, yeah, going through the same thing, went through the same thing. Yeah, legacy is, 
yeah, super important. It was Nietzsche who said, uh, ut liberi, ut libri. It's either kids or books. <laughs> so you have to leave something. <laughs> okay, what's your least favorite word? Uh, I would say depression. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite virtue? I'm not sure I have a virtue, but I have, um, I have a, I have a virtue in the sense that I can seek out talent, talented people. Oh, that's oh, yeah. my virtue. So then I can surround myself with talented people oh. who make me real look really, really good, even if I'm not. <laughs> you are. You are being humble. <laughs> What's your favorite quality in a man? Uh, shoot. If they kind, have any kind, kind, <laughs> kindness, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Kindness. That's your favorite quality in a woman. Self, self confidence, mm -hmm. but not too much. Maybe more self awareness. But listen, to be quite honest, I don't think there's a difference between man and a woman. I think I, both kindness, self awareness, um, self confidence that should be for both sexes fair enough yeah I, I don't think it should be a woman or a man i don't that's just me <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll tell you the story about the questionnaire afterwards okay. um what wine uh, or dish if you want would you use to describe yourself i don't think i'm wine but a grape i would say perhaps nebbiolo mm -hmm. because it it has a various array of um perception it's, it's a very light skin, so it's light when you see it, but it's incredibly tannic. So mm -hmm. uh, it's quite tannic. So maybe at first taste, you're not keen, but then with some time, you can, you can kind of get to know better and love it. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I'm not very, I don't make very good first impression, you know, so. <laughs> What's uh, your favorite smell or aroma? Oh, this is easy. I love um, when like the brioche come out of the oven, like oh. fresh brioche. I love that. I oh. love the buttery aroma. Oh. oh, just smelling it, we just gain weight. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What's your favorite curse word? I guess fuck. I say it all the time. It's not favorite. It's just habitual, you know? Even in Italy? Yeah. There's no Italians for a word? No, it's, it's cazzo, which ah. means it's... Um, it means um, penis, dick, but in a vulgar way. So yeah. I guess it's kind of the same. Yeah. <laughs> what sound I pick, noise up, I pick up all the bad habits. You, you know, know I, it's okay, but I, they're part of our normal I, life. You know, I, you know, I speak like, you know, I, I think I have more testosterone than a lot of the men. <laughs> so like I, I talk like a sailor, you know. <laughs> You went on all the seas. Good, good. Discovering, yeah, exactly. discovering Seven the seas. world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, I love the rain, raindrops, mm. but not like storm. Yes. Just, uh, yeah, but just like the drizzle. I love the that ro sound. romantic drizzle of war. Yeah. Okay. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate vacuum cleaner. Oh, noise. that's the first. That's the first one. You're this one. <laughs> I hate vacuum cleaner. But, but it is annoying. It's annoying. Right? Yeah, I'm I agree like, with you. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> I, I mean, luckily, I don't have to do it, but like, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. What plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in? Mm, I don't, I don't believe in reincarnation. 
But I guess if I had to choose, if, I would if be you a, were. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I would be a dog. Oh, yeah. Any special kind of breeds or just? No, just any kind. Oh, yeah. If heaven exists, uh, what would like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I said, if heaven exists, so if you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm agnostic. So you're asking me all the wrong questions. I, uh, if heaven does exist, I hope they say, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie Kim, grazie mille. Thank you very much. Prego, prego. Grazie a te. <laughs> Oh, to finish with finish uh, up with the masterpiece. Oh yes, this one is the. Uh... <laughs> so uh, this concludes the wine hour for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, and next show is in October. Uh, until then, drink in moderation, be well and safe, faith always. And we we'll leave you with the master of masters, uh, Freddie Mercury and Queen with Bohemian Rhapsody. Thank you. Goodbye. Just killed a man Put a gun in